Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin and Dave. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey. Good. Uh, Kat is out this week, and we're doing something a little bit different. As much as we like to sort of curate uh, each episode around a theme, and we take turns picking things that we want to share or things that we want to see, we all really miss going to the movies and having that sort of shared experience of seeing something new at the same time and then hanging out and talking about it. We can't do that right now. We hope to be able to do it soon. So we wanted to try to sort of replicate that as much as we could this week. So me and Kevin and Dave all watched a brand new movie at the same time. And now we're going to discuss. Um, Kevin, tell us a little bit about what we saw this week. So we decided to sit down and watch 2021's Saint Maud. This is a directorial debut from Rose Glash. Uh, this is a British film as well. And this made the the festival circuits in, in 2019. We really should have seen this in 2020. It was late 2019 when it did the festival run. But pandemic fucked things up. We got it in early 2021. I just want to be the first to say I'm really glad this movie came out in 2021 because it's going to make my top list. This is going to be a hard one to beat for me if we redo our best of like we did with 2020. Essentially, what you have is you have a recently converted nurse to Roman Catholicism. She is now doing home care. She has been assigned to this woman who is what she describes as a minor celebrity. And she is tasked with sort of helping her out with end of life proceedings. It's, it's not what you think. This is A24. So it's going to be a slow burn. It's, it's definitely sort of frustrating you at times. Um, but you have Jennifer Ely as Amanda, the woman who was dying. The, this actress is so good. She has such a great filmography. But we talked about her uh, sort of recently in the Contagion uh, or, or in the, uh, the, the, well, I guess it was sort of a Contagion episode, and she was in the movie Contagion. And then you have uh, Morphid Clark, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, as Maud, as Saint Maud. And I recognized her from Crawl. She was the sister of the main character in Crawl. Um, looks like a young Jodie Foster to me. I, I know that when we watched this, you guys had some other comparisons, which were much more hilarious. Uh, but this is a fantastic movie. I loved it. I loved watching it with you guys. I loved having sort of a shared experience again for the first time in well over a year. Uh, Dave, give me your take on St. Maud. Um, well, first off, uh, talking about uh, pronunciation of names, uh, you said uh, Rose Glash. I didn't know if that was uh, because you were about to read British next or if that was... It, actually might be rose glass it reminded me of the clash nice i didn't know if that was a, like a welsh uh pronunciation or something that was a total bullshit excuse i was just actually slurring my words i i i love that this was made by someone named rose glass like you know uh you know rose colored sunglasses like everything like zippity doodah on the bright side of life because this is like down in the dregs super dark super slow burn i was saying that every time you google an a24 movie uh, which is uh one of my favorite production studios um 
the adjectives that describe the movie are always like unsettling, dark, but the, the one word that's always in there is boring. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, is bullshit. It is bullshit because this movie really sucked me in. Um, I, I thought the acting was out of this world. Um, I was just, there was scenes that I gasped out loud um, and I could, couldn't even control myself. Um, it's definitely going to be one of my favorites of the year. Um, and w- what did I call her? Glenn Close, but no cigar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Amanda, then you also realized she mommy. looked like, uh, who's the other actress? Glenn Meryl Close, Streep. Meryl Streep. And also Sigourney Weaver at times um, when she was a little bit more like gaunt toward Look, the end. I, I mean, I don't want to interrupt, but I'm sorry. She is criminally underused in her movies. Like this is a, really brilliant actress and in both contagion that we watched on the show and in this she's underused like i feel like she spent more time with like a bald cap on to show her hair than they let her use her acting chops so i'm well, sorry i i thought uh, all the acting in this was insane like there was one point where i was joking about that uh those adjectives describing a24 movies and she was like just walking up the stairs after like her first interaction uh, and uh, with this woman, and she had, um, she has these like reli- religious like uh, experiences that like overtake her. So she's walking up the stairs, and you know I make a joke like, "Oh, this is boring," but just the acting alone, and well, and the cinematography um, made that so suspenseful and actually scary in in a disorienting way. Very Darren Aronofsky. I felt like in the arc yep. of this, wow. definitely because it, it unravels at one point um, pretty quickly. <laughs> Trent, what'd you think? Man, I absolutely love this movie. This is right in my wheelhouse. I thought I was going to be the champion of this movie because this is like this is my catnip. A24 porn. Um, I'm all about that stuff. It reminded me. <laughs> uh, uh, this is like my thing. This is kind of like what I would always like to see. When I watch uh, a scary movie or a twisted movie or an evil movie, it reminded me a lot of The Lodge, which was my favorite from last year. It reminded me of Black Swan, big time. You mentioned Aronofsky. It reminded me even uh, a little bit of, and this might be a stretch, but for me, for the mood of this movie, it reminded me of Killing of a Sacred Deer, which is one of my favorite movies. Wow. I just, I love the very quiet, understated slow burn thing where everybody is very restrained but you can feel this evil under the surface bubbling and bubbling and you know that it's like it's going to ratchet up and it ratchets up the whole time and you're just wondering like how far out of control it's going to get you know that people are going to turn um it's moody it's pretty darkly lit there aren't many characters in this there are only a few um i thought ely was amazing in this um i thought clark was amazing um, just, this is my thing. And this is only, you can only see this right now on epics for streaming. And I'm not that familiar with epics. This is actually the first I've heard of it, but this movie also was billed not only as a 24, but an epics productions, um, at the outset. So I didn't look that too deep into epics, but it's only five ninety nine a month. So what we did is we just, um, joined epics for tonight and, uh, consider it a $6 rental. I would be all, I would well recommend the six dollars you can also stream it on fubo if you have that or direct tv you can't rent this yet that's how fresh 
uh, off the pile this movie is. Well, it's free, actually. If you do a free week trial on Epics, oh, you even cancel better. it before you have to pay, so it's even free. So, And it's uh, brand new out the gate. I was really excited about this one for a long time, uh, just because I'm a big fan of A24, but um, the soundtrack to this movie was insane. Um, the eccentric, um, almost famous, or half-famous uh, lady, Amanda, that is Mommy of the Week for me. Minor um, celebrity. Yeah, minor celebrity. Uh, she was like, uh, her whole vibe was like this uh, avant-garde, uh, artsy culture, and she's always listening to this music that uh, on the captions it comes up as avant-funk, which I was like... Yes, I love all this shit. It had this like, uh, like vaporwave, like '80s funk vibe. But and then also the the sound design of the actual movie, the score, and all the. A lot of times, the scary stuff is a in, clunk. Yeah, it's in the sound uh, design to the movie, and this one was immaculate the whole way through. It was amazing soundtrack into suspense. I loved it. Yeah, I was telling Dave, he needs to go back through this movie and Shazam every yeah. moment yeah. that just some background music is happening because some subtitles, like we all we all love watching movies with subtitles, but some subtitles will tell you the artist and the song right. that's playing and I love that. I appreciate it so much. But this is one where like all of us were like vibing the music so hard that we were like, Okay, Dave, it's, it's your task to go Shazam this and figure out what the hell, who on this movie was like thinking of the soundtrack. Uh, look, I got crazy vibes from this on Carrie. I got mad sissy SpaceX vibes from Clark, from Morphid Clark playing Maud. Um, I got crazy Black Swan vibes from this movie. Like it didn't take long until I was writing down as we were watching it, and this is this is strange for me. I usually get to watch a movie, and then I usually get to go kind of research it, or I'll research it and go watch it. This time, you guys put me in an uncomfortable position for my spot on the show, but I was like, man, this reminds me a ton of Black Swan. Um, and then I'm always a sucker for theological movies and this has a strong theological element to it um that I, I think we can get into without spoiling it but uh trent you you're nodding like you you've got something to say um well i agree we didn't actually we didn't talk about uh spoiling this movie because it is so new we usually try not to spoil but at the same time, that's kind of hard when you're when you're talking about a movie. But to your point, Kevin, about Carrie, for sure, there are so many references in this, and we even picked up on like a taxi driver vibe Almost in this. You guys got Almost that more exact. than me. Hey, I've never seen Taxi Driver. Oh, you need whoa! To. What? Just well, full there was disclosure. One, there was one when you guys were like, talking a... about it as we were watching, and I was watching <laughs> your heads. I was just like nodding and thinking in my head, oh, I've never seen Taxi Driver. Well, there was a, a shot of a, a street drummer playing and it panned from him over to her like walking through the city and it was exactly like Taxi Driver. And then from there, that's like where her, uh, the arc of her character got really dark. Um, and there was, there was a line uh, that I tried to remember and my, my pen died. 
What I remember was the line? Uh, it was, if this is how you treat those who devote themselves to you, what must you do to those who shun you? Right. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, your most uh, faithful followers. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. And then from there, it was like, just, she devolved into um, what it seemed like she was before, because there's all these uh, clues that something had happened previously. And uh, she's kind of dealing with that. And it almost felt like she was dealing with that trauma with religion. Amanda in this, and that's the, the hospice nurse in the situation. Amanda is the Travis Bickle of hospice nurses who have no, recently that's, converted. That's Maud is the, the yes. nurse. Oh, I'm sorry. Maud. Maud is, yeah, Maud is the Travis Bickle. She is the Travis Bickle of nurses recently converted to hardcore Catholicism who have a shady past that you start finding out about and who starts instead of like doing pull-ups and uh, practicing with guns in her apartment and burning her arm, she just gets like deeper into this almost psychotic level of faith and she like burns her hand and she's kind of doing her version of that sort of Bickle routine. I'm, we're going to have to find an excuse to talk about Taxi Driver, Kevin, if you've never seen it. Um, For sure. It's, it's horrific. It's evil. It's very evil. Well, I, I, I like the evolution. I mean, I already talked about Black Swan, but I like the evolution of, of Maud's character. She may or may not be mod um but one thing that i love that ties into a recent episode is william blake so we talked about manhunter and then sort of talked about red dragon recently and in this movie in saint mod amanda gives gifts mod a william blake book of his paintings and they're all religious and she's sort of flipping through them and in one point like dave and i immediately picked up like you see the red dragon painting. Right. But this one is using William Blake in a much different way in a theological sense in that she had a very poignant quote where she talks about William Blake's feelings on organized religion. And it's like this total moment where somebody that should see this isn't. They're using it for the exact reverse purpose. And William Blake was chastised for hating organized religion. And her her quote is sort of like William Blake on organized religion is that is an ugly distortion of a true spiritual life. I felt that pretty fucking deep. And I think that's kind of where this movie is going is where, look, it's about mental illness. The whole movie is about mental illness. So if you go I, watch this flick... I would argue that it... It's actually about faith. And it's about if you believe it enough, is it real? You know what I mean? Like, is, does that make it real? If it's real to you and your experience to go on this, because it's all these shots where it shows what's really happening and then what she's seeing. You know what I mean? So I feel like it was more um, her belief was so deep in this that it altered her um first off kevin you just finished this movie a half an hour ago i know he's so how it. did where did the william blake 
have you studied William Blake before? I mean, how did you, I thought we were kind of catching you a little bit, you know, with your shoes untied this week where we we're going to talk about it right after and you haven't had no, a chance it's, it's to. it's when she like opened the book from, Amanda gives her a book. Yeah, yeah, I know. And says, you're my savior. And it's a William Blake book. And then they go to the Red Dragon. So we just did the Manhunter episode. So I knew a ton about William Blake. And then she quoted William Blake. So as soon as the movie was done, I Googled William Blake organized religion. <laughs> and nerd, me, nerd certified, bro. Nerd certified. <laughs> yeah. You, so we fast. just put you, you just, I, he's freestyling. Bro. Was, he's freestyling. <laughs> yeah. I got I was bars. Seriously I got bars. Like, bars. Maybe like Kevin did a class on William Blake back in college or something. How, how is he so ready? No, it, I, I was really excited as we were watching this to he be like, four. oh shit, like this is this is actually pointing to a ton of movies that we've already done and yeah, I've already yeah. done a ton of research on. So, wow. yeah, no, it's nothing impressive. It's Google, dude. We have so, Google. Uh, the dynamic between the, uh, the actors, which we haven't talked about really, is the woman that's dying. And I had mentioned when we were watching this that uh, dying rich kind of looks nice. It kind of mm. looks like fun when you have the person that comes and takes care of you and you're in your house. And I just thought well, Trent, Trent's response was as opposed to the alternative <laughs> dying poor, which we will all enjoy. So there's a, a jaded uh, mid, what is it? Mid celebrity uh, minor celebrity. Yeah. There's a jaded minor celebrity who's questioning this girl's faith. And at the same time, this girl is trying to kind of uh, bestow this enlightenment upon this lady before she dies. She's, I, she's trying to save. Maud begins to believe in her mind that she was sent by the Lord to save the soul of Amanda, the dying patient, because she lives in sin. Um, Maud is not only like the hospice nurse, but she's sort of like, you know, she's almost be checking people in and out because Amanda has visitors among them. Um, someone who sort of is almost like a girlfriend, which is, you know, enough to um, draw Maud's attention and scrutiny enough. But this girlfriend happens to get paid and Maud really doesn't like that. I, I think that one thing about this movie that shouldn't be lost, it's very funny to me. I thought this, this is one of the rare, and that's one of the things that I thought was special about this when I talk about stuff like The Lodge that I like and Black Swan and Killing of a Sacred Deer and that kind of... All not funny movies. <laughs> not at all. But to me, that that's what made this one stand out. I thought this was very funny. There are a lot of very funny scenes, and, and one of them is is Maud kind of trying to manage. She starts you know, going beyond the nurse. What it seems like is that she's like in love with Amanda, but in her mind, she's trying to save her soul. And she thinks that before Amanda dies, she can do that. And she starts having these um, sort of episodes, these spells, I guess you would call them where she, her body is taken over in her mind. She, she thinks that this is God or Jesus or whatever is kind of descending on her and, and giving her signs and, that she's going to do this. She's going to save a man of soul. And it manifests as basically she has an orgasm, like just, uh, by herself. That's what it seemed like to me. She just like suddenly her whole body starts racked. She's moaning. It was very orgasmic. I thought. And then much later in the movie, there's uh, some sexy time. It's very dirty. She's doing the same thing. Like 
she's doing the exact same thing that she was doing when she thought like the Lord was entering her body, but it's but, just like but, she's re- but reliving past trauma. We do we know? Uh, I, was she, she said she felt like the Lord was inside her. Yes, yes that was yes. very. At telling. that point, I was just like, I'm just a pervert for thinking this. <laughs> no, but no, was, I think it was very. I, I think it was very intentional. Yeah, I mean, th- this was playing really hard on religion, for sure. And I think what I think what Maud was was seeking. Another theme of the movie is that a lot of us just want instant gratification. We think we were put here for a purpose and a lot of the movie when she's talking to God, the voiceover stuff is she's literally begging. Just tell me what I'm here for instead of going out and figuring it out for herself. So I think the whole title of the movie Saint Maud is very telling that mm. that she perhaps and, and I'm sorry Rose Glass if you did not mean this Rose Glass not Rose Glass <sighs> Rose Gash if if you did not mean this I think it was saying here's a very broken person who is saying okay I'm here for a purpose somebody give it to me instead of I'll go out yeah. there and figure it out in a healthy way She's sort of like one of those people that they just get a new thing every so often. They like convert to a new thing. And, and they it, say it, that she's very recently converted to Roman Catholicism. Yeah, she just, yeah, like, you know, they this is their new thing and all of a sudden they're all about that. But it's like, it's kind of like desperate Yoga. and searchy seeming. Yeah, like kind of shallow. Yoga vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, um, I got cult vibes. I got that this movie yeah. was saying organized religion is a cult. Oh, I didn't get that. Well, you know, I loved the the technique of showing the viewer what's actually happening and what's going on in her mind. And that technique absolutely stuck the landing for this movie. Not going to spoil anything, but the last like one and a half seconds of this movie was fucking Dynamite. amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay, to the spoiler. Now, actually... This movie, and this is one mild criticism that I have, this movie spoils itself because it does that thing where it opens with a scene much later in the movie kind of thing. Or the, the first opening scene of this tells you what's going to happen. In, in Generally, doesn't it? Do you think that the first scene kind of like... You no, the, know first where scene, I, the first scene I don't. Hints, hints at, at I would the say it event... I goes beyond hinting. At the event that led her to Amanda. Yes, I, but but to see a nurse with gloves on and I blood on saying. her gloves doesn't necessarily mean True. there was a murder. True. You know what I mean? That, that I guess maybe that's just me having seen so many of these movies that to me the opening sh- yeah, the opening I, scene is like you know where this is going to go. I, it, it's yeah. not a secret. You know exactly what's going to happen. Like that's not mm-hmm. In and fact, I feel like it could have kept that a little more under wraps. I would have bought the performance I don't know how to say the first name, Clark. Um, yeah, I would have, I would have been curious about whether it was going to be Maud or Amanda or like. Right. I, I think it could have had more mystery because I would have wondered how it was going to go instead of knowing exactly how it was. I'll go. disagree with you in that I think it built a different type of tension and it 
pulled on tropes and made us all sit on the edge of our seats waiting for one character to do the obvious thing that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the whole movie, you're like, there's so many scenarios that they put this character in that you're like, oh, well, this is obviously going to happen. It and didn't it happen, have to be it happened. To me. Well, but I love that it didn't until it did. And I absolutely adore the way they did it where it could have, you know, sort of like, yeah, I I adore the cinema. It could have, it could have gone even a little further. Like the, the, uh, there's only one scene I have a problem in this entire brilliant movie with, and there is a levitation scene, but the end scene I'm, I'm talking about real time we're talking about watching movie in real time in the real time i was like i still knew that fucking that was come on in her mind because the, they well yeah they now slowly, you're spoiling everything uh that's not no i i like that she, i like she has these like faith hallucinations basically and as the movie goes they kind of escalate yeah she as she's unravels and her right that's what she felt like i that's what I got from that. It's not what was happening, but what she felt like. I think one of my favorite parts of this movie is you guys remember Amulet. We talked about it in our yeah. best oh, of 2020. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah, had su- it had super Amulet vibes definitely, for the first yeah. half where I was kind of lulled into thinking that this movie was going to take place in this house yes. with these minimal characters. And then halfway through it flipped the script. And I was like, I did not see any of this coming. Trent, you mentioned while we were watching it, you saw some of this coming, but it also like the cinematography, the sound design, everything we're talking about. That's so good about it. It reminded me so much of amulet for halfway through. Mm-hmm. And then I really appreciate what they did different from amulet in the back half. Well, that and that's you know the the unraveling to me when we talk about the immersion into the new thing and like the desperate seeking searchingness of that and kind of the ultimate um, shallowness of it. You you that can, they kind of follow through with that where it often doesn't last that long or the fall from that is hard and fast. <laughs> you you know there's there was points of this that reminded me of Nymphomaniac. Lars von Trier, wow. who we talked about, um, we talked about the house that Jack built. Um, he definitely, I got some of those vibes big time. Yeah, this is not like a uh, a background kind of movie. Like you know, you have to um, totally soak it in and take it at its pace. And every nuance is, you know, is important. And you know, I I often say that you know, like when every scene of a movie that they film takes hours to set up so every scene is for a reason this is especially a movie that you need to watch for every single frame uh, because it plays out differently than most movies and it's really strong debut i mean you talk about background here's another example of where we don't get a ton of background on mod and i appreciate that there are some movies that you watch that where you're like how did this person end up this damaged? How did this person end up where they are? I mean, we talk about it all the way back to classic slashers, to Michael Myers, and people being like, what the fuck did Rob Zombie do? But I would love the fact that you are spent wondering what, like, like all you get from Maude is that she was a nurse at a hospital. Something bad happened. She went and changed her career to a home caregiver. 
and you get nothing before that. Well, you love her at first. At first, you like absolutely like her dialogue. All the dialogue in this is so insane. But her like religious rhetoric, uh, hmm. which is actually pretty profound most of the time, yeah, and very applicable to like what they're talking about, um, is is amazing. And you really like her because you feel like she's uh, righteous and good, and it's like an innocent um, worship. And then it, it turns into like a really ugly worship. Yeah, that that was that's was my criticism of that opening because I bought that. She does seem very pure. She seems like Right. She she seems like the real deal. Uh and then like you said, Dave, you do have to pay attention. There are a lot of little things if you miss um there's a, a point where you start to suspect that maybe she's not exactly who you think she is at that point, but you can almost miss that part. I almost missed it. Um, so you do have to pay attention to every little thing in that. And I really enjoy that. It really helps me in this like media addled attention deficit age. This is, you know, watching something like this is one of the few ways that I can still like exercise some kind of focus um, and, you know, pay attention to something for longer than five minutes or even five seconds. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. Unsettling. Boring. <laughs> Have either of you guys watched the Apple TV Plus show Servant? Never heard of that. I would recommend it. Uh, it has strong, this movie has strong vibes for, for that. So for listeners out there that have seen Servant, I'd love to know your thoughts on how this connects to it. It, it gave me real strong Servant vibes. But there's a lot of interesting things, like when we watch a movie like this closely, uh, her necklace, uh, when the first time she sort of is helping Amanda with her physical therapy and bends over her and her necklace falls down and it's clearly a cross with a saint and Amanda says, oh, who's your saint? And Maud says, uh, Saint Mary Magdalene. And so obviously I had to immediately Google that. That was my next question. Kevin, that was my next question for you. Next time I got to go here, what do you got on that? So in 20 minutes. So Mary Magdalene uh, apparently traveled with Jesus as one of his followers, a witness to his crucif uh, crucifixion Groupie. and its aftermath. She's mentioned by name 12 times in the canonical gospels, more than most apostles and more than any other woman in the gospels other than Jesus's family. So I thought that was interesting that she would pick that as her saint. There's a female tie to this to this entire movie i mean like trent you talking about the quote-unquote fall she has she just wants to go out and live her life but literally is like waiting for somebody to tell her what to do like i would love to look up some interviews with rose glass and see her intentions and and the point she was trying to make for this movie I think, yes, it's mental illness. Yes, it's theological. But I would love to, to hear Rose Glass talk about this movie and the, the, the feminist side of it. There's a, a portion of the movie where she puts um, like needles on a uh, piece of uh, cardboard oh, or thumbtacks. something. Thumbtacks. Oh, my God. And oh my puts God. it in her yeah. shoes <laughs> and goes for a little stroll oh, around I want to look that up. Yeah, she does. There are a number of scenes where she does. I don't know what it's called, but 
when you like hurt your body for Jesus. Yeah. Um, but, no, but other religions do that too, like self-flagellate. You know, there are, that's a tradition I think that is, that's not at all just Christian where you, I don't know, it's like proving some sort of attention or it's like forcing you to draw your full attention and sacrificing your momentary pain um, for this. I mean, I guess I can relate to that, certainly. It's why I do it every morning, so. Well, well the funny thing about the uh, reviews saying it's boring is that boredom can be terrifying. And also uh, embarrassment. And there was a lot of things that I had seen about this movie, like, oh, she's just, it's, it's just secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> but to me, that's terrifying. This has this social tension. Oh, I've, I've, yeah. To it that is insane. She's trying to like assimilate with people out in public, trying to make friends everywhere. And she's really, really, really awkward. <laughs> Well, that goes to when she's discovering that Amanda is a minor celebrity and she's going through her her personal effects and kind of like, you know, making her way around the home where she's going to be working. And she finds a whole stack of books that Amanda Cole wrote. And the title is The Body is a Stage. Yes. That set this entire movie up transformation yeah and and am i wrong in thinking there's a little bit of cronenberg i know we've already talked about how how glass definitely was was wink winking at horror fans in this movie even though you know it doesn't get horror for real until like the last 15 minutes but trust me sit through it it's worth it but i i feel like the body is a stage was a very very important thing that glass wanted to put in this movie Mm. Um, just so everyone knows all these influences that we're talking about and all these um, different vibes that we're getting off this this movie is completely original even though it has all these little uh, touches of all these other movies that's what I thought was one of the things that was so skillful about it for a debut feature film to so effortlessly uh, weave all of these traditions and all of these influences and all of these references within their own story, not in that kind of like cheeky way where it's almost, you wonder like, so do you have anything to say though? Or this is just a rundown of your movies. Cause that can be cool too. I don't mind when people do that. Like here's everything that, that I love, but it's not in that way. It's, it's wholly in service of its own voice and its own vision. And that is really, really impressive. More impressive is the fact that, Clark is in every single scene of this movie and her face like, like like that's why I thought of Amulet. This is shot like very close up. Yeah. And her ability to use her face to progress the tension to make all of us horror nerds think that something crazy is going to happen. Her ability to do that was absolutely outstanding. And that was pure direction in cinematography, but also acting on Clark's part. And I I mean, other than Crawl, I don't know a whole lot of, of what she's done or what she's up to. But I think this was a performance that will put her on the map for a lot of things that we're going to see in the future. Um, okay, my second small criticism, if we're ready. I'm not ready. I, I could have. I, again, I'm, I'm surprised. I thought that 
when I when I finished this movie, I thought that I was going to be the champion, the A24 horror, and you guys might not love it as much as me, and I did love it, but I did, I don't know, I could have used a little bit more of a crescendo before the final scene. Could have used a, just a little more. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll fight you on that, because I think they they had so many scenes in the movie where you really are like there's so many scenes in this movie where you're like expecting her to snap or to do the things yes, that would happen d- in any other horror sure, movie. True. True. I appreciate the fact that it yeah. literally didn't happen until the finale. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah. I liked it. And, and not many actresses could have pulled it off. Like this is very Carrie. This is incredibly Carrie. There's one scene. Yeah. Where there's one scene that's just, it's, it is scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I I like that. I, I, I don't know if a lot of like traditional horror, or, or I don't know, honestly, traditional. I don't know if some fans of horror are going to love this for how many opportunities the movie gave you to get your traditional payoff. But I personally appreciated the it's, fuck out of it. Very like, Catholic it, of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're, I'm just recently converted to Roman Catholicism. <laughs> I want to talk to you guys after the show, actually. Like, I have, I think I can save your souls. I'm going to watch every movie that Rose Glass makes. I'm going to keep an eye on her because she's great. Yeah, very impressive. It well worth the free trial on Epics um, to see. A, I, I feel like I went to the movies. This is this this is like you know, cinema. This is what we miss the cinema. I just want to remind you guys, nothing you do matters. Not at all. No. And this movie reminds you in very explicit terms. And I I liked that scene a lot. Um, There's almost like a a moment of reckoning, a moment of forgiveness and tenderness between Maude and Amanda. And uh, there isn't. But it gets very close. (laughs) It's cruel. It's kind of cruel. I don't, you know... A movie like this, like one of the things that I like about something like this is that I it makes me feel like I want to turn it over in my mind for a few days. And sometimes I'll see something like this and think about it. And I just I want to see it again because my mind is turning and, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting lots of things. I'm not sure I'm getting everything, but I'm really interested. And it's just like it's making me think about things, making me think about what it was saying or what it wasn't saying or what I think. And this would be one that. Like I would just like sneak back to the local indie theater and I would see it again like two nights later because, you know, why not? Let, let me really like try to absorb this. This is like that type of movie to me. I want to see it again already. It, it's interesting. I, I'm talking about this movie right now after having just watched it with two very big creatives in my life. You guys are both brilliant artists. And there's we've talked about the dialogue. You mentioned it, Dave. There's... Bars. There's one of her one of her monologues. She says that she previously didn't have time, have much time for creatives, as they're full of themselves. <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. Well, and as soon as that came really up, when we were watching disc, it, I wrote it down because I was like, I'm I'm literally watching <laughs> really this roundabout this with fired. creatives. <laughs> However, she then goes. And tries to assimilate herself into, like, you know, creatives are gregarious. They're in the moment. And she goes, and the, the, it's one of my favorite scenes from the movie is the scene where she goes to the bar. 
and she's surrounded by people that are just living their lives. But for you two specifically, I was like, I have to write this down because I'm in a room with people that are insanely creative uh, and can fly off the cuff on anything. And she just dissed you fucking hard. Do you not consider yourself a creative? Yeah, no, I mean, I would, but. I mean, this is a self indictment as much as anything else. You, you've created as much <laughs> as anyone. Fair. Fair. But I was, th- hey, look, I was thinking of you. And you record you. yourself talking on the internet every week for hours at a time. So I don't, I'm not really going to take just, this. I mean, I'll, I'll accept smoke. the dis- Yeah, for sure. But I don't think you <laughs> I, have any. Room. I had no retort. I, I'd like to thank you for. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think you have any room at all uh, for that. So we're all full of ourselves. So we're talking on the internet. Being Believe me, I'd like to kill myself every time I realize that we do this. Uh, <laughs>